Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Joining us right now, he covers your Milwaukee Bucks for the Journal Sentinel. Matt underscore Velasquez on Twitter. He joins us now on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Matt, appreciate the time here on Draft Day. First off, your reactions last night to John Luer being brought in for the 30th pick, as well as Tony Snell. I saw you on Twitter mention that this could be the start of maybe something bigger tonight for Bucks fans. Yeah, I guess my first reaction was like, eh? And then my second reaction was, there's got to be more than this, or maybe there is more than this. Let me wait for more information. Your reaction um, was the same as mine then. <laughs> Eh. Yeah, right. It's just exactly one of those right. like, okay, like let's let's see like what else there is because the last two times the Bucks have made a trade, we thought the trade was something, it was one thing, and it was very quickly something else. Um, you know, we thought the Bucks were getting Sam Decker back in December, and uh, that didn't happen. It was just a, a trade for George Hill and Jason Smith, and we're like, okay, well, we'll see what happens with that. And then you know, we thought that the Bucks trade Don Maker for Stanley Johnson, and then a day later, it was like, oh wait a second, that's just a piece of getting Nikola Mirotic. So you know, I think that until this trade is finalized, which it can't be until after the, the Bucks make their pick tonight, you know, I, I'm going to kind of hold back my judgment because, you know, I, I don't know if there could be more to, more to this. Um, yeah, there are certainly possibilities that there could. I mean, there's possibilities that this could be it. This could be the trade. That could be it. That could be finalized later tonight, and, and that's just the deal. So uh, I'm going to kind of hold back my full judgment, but for, for the meantime, so far it's eh. Okay, so I'm with you on the eh stuff. I think most of Milwaukee is too. Understandable. If, if they keep Lure, or well, if this deal goes down and, and Lure is it, do you think they could do a Larry Sanders-type deal where they cut him and stretch that deal out over the course of time? They could. I mean, the, the way the stretch provision works is that you can stretch somebody for twice the number of years that they have left plus one. So they'd be stretching him for three years. They'd be paying him about you know, 3.1-ish, 3.2 million dollars each this this year and each of the next two um that's usually the last case last case scenario for teams nobody wants to just eat money and, and just have to you know let it go like that you want to see if you can get something in return for that player uh whether that's you know right now or if it's later in the season uh but generally the reason why the bucks are doing this deal or you know have this agreement in place is because they're trying to open up salary cap space you know, and a lot of that has to do with Brooke Lopez. He's somebody who was a huge part of what they did last year. The Bucks want him back. He wants to be back. Um, but there's also the, you know, the idea of having to pay him fairly. And I think the Bucks want to do that. I think he deserves uh, to get a raise over what he got last year when he was probably the most valuable, you know, uh, contract in the league. And so, you know, finding a way to get him paid, treat him fairly, and get him back, that's important. And maybe even opening up, up enough salary cap space to bring back George Hill, too. Um, you know, these are things that the Bucks are trying to figure out. And, and that's, you know, why, even though it's only a couple million dollars you know, for this season, you know, bringing in Lure for Snell in the 30th pick, that, that's the kind of stuff that can maybe give them the edge, uh, depending on how much money those other guys want. And stretching Lure might even open up that cap a little bit further and allow them to bring one or both of those guys back or even somebody else. Matt, what is your expectation, and what are you hearing on the proposed offer sheets that you expect Malcolm Brogdon to get? Adrian Wojnarowski saying that he he expects the Bucks are able and prepared to to be able to match somewhere around seventeen, eighteen million, but it it could get up to north of of twenty million dollars. Where where are you hearing that the expectation for Malcolm's offer sheet would come in? I mean, I'm not hearing anything different than that. 
uh, I think the the expectation would you know would be that it would be somewhere uh, in that range, or at least it could get to that that height. Um, I think with with Brogdon, obviously there's an injury history that he has. Um, you know, obviously the the, the hamstring or the uh, the I, I forget exactly what it was, the hamstring tendon or the quad tendon that he had two seasons ago. Um, that's kind of maybe more of a freak mm-hmm. thing, but the plantar fascia is a consistent thing that he yep. has dealt with in the past. Um, so maybe teams might be worried about that, and some teams might just say, you know what, we have money to burn, and we're going to take a chance because this guy had a bad plantar fascia for most of the season, was still 50-40-90, came back in the playoffs, and was great. Gary so, Ellerson you know? just texted me and said that uh, Four Letter Network is reporting the Bulls are the front runner for Brogdon, and reportedly he think or they think it's going to be four years and eighty million. Yeah, I mean four years, eighty million. Um, you know that that could be a reasonable offer that some team puts out there. And but is that something the Bucks would want to match at that high a price? Uh, I, I think that the question is, you know, what would they get if they don't? I mean, he's somebody who they have his bird rights. They have the ability to re-sign him and bring him back. And all it really costs them is money. Um, and so you'd have to say, all right, are we willing to go that far into the cap, that far maybe into the luxury tax to bring Bogdan back at that price tag? Um, you know, because you're not really going to get anybody else. You know, his cap hold is so low. You're, you know, you're not going to be able to sign anybody else other than a minimum player. You know, and if you have Brogdon at that contract, then, you know, at least in the future, if he does play well, um, you'd be able to sign, you know, maybe trade him and, and get some value back. Or you could just hold on to him, you know, and maybe that deal is actually, you know, comes out as better. Obviously, there's a risk that maybe he gets hurt. Maybe his yep. play regresses. Maybe he, yep. you know, has, has reached his peak and he doesn't perform to that level. Um, but if you're the Bucks and you're trying to win now, I think some of those are long-term problems that you need to just kind of deal with because See, the, the alternative is you don't have Malcolm Brogdon and you don't have anyone else. And that, to me, right, what he just said right there, Billy, is 100% true, and everybody better understand this right now yeah. because mm-hmm. all these long-term contracts they're going to get in bed with, whether it's Lopez, Brogdon, Middleton, Bledsoe, they're all long-term deals. This isn't go for it for a year and then wash our hands and then start over with new deals. You're getting in long-term. So if the chemistry on this team goes sideways, you're stuck. If injuries beset this team, you're stuck. I mean, you're just stuck. You're, well, you're and also be able if, to if get ceiling is on this team, and, and this is the ceiling of 60 wins in an Eastern Conference final. I, I think, well, that I, I, I don't think there's a ceiling yet because I don't think Giannis has reached his ceiling sure. yet, I guess is where I'm at on that. Uh, let's, let's, let's talk about Chris Middleton a little bit, Matt. We were talking about, you know, everybody seems to think he's going to get close to the max money. It'll probably be with the Bucks five years or whatever the the number is. But it's going to be over thirty million based on everything we've seen. I said yesterday that it's setting up for him to be the villain of Milwaukee going forward if and when he signs this this contract. Mainly because having lived here all my life, I know how this works. That once you sign that huge contract, everybody expects you to play better than what you've played. And if you're going to give him a contract similar to what other star players in this league are getting, and he's going to average 18 to 20 points a night and not be there all the time in the playoffs, this this southeastern Wisconsin and state of Wisconsin, he's going to be villain number one on this team if they don't win a title. Well, I mean, I, I guess that that might just come with the territory. You want to make the money? You want to you have the max contract? Um, then that's just going to be what it is. Uh, I, I, he's kind of like Brogdon in the sense that I just haven't heard an argument for who the Bucks could bring in that would nope. replace Middleton. They just no, don't they're have stuck. The cap space. Yep. And so, you know, they, they're going to have to figure that out. And 
you know, if you don't want to pay him, that's fine. But another team will. Another team will have will have money. Will be willing to pay the max. You know, the thing about the NBA is that, you know, and this might be the case with the sports leagues too, but definitely in the NBA, it all just comes down to who is a free agent at what time. There are a bunch of guys a couple summers ago, and the cap really spiked. They got paid a ton of money. You know, contracts don't look good. I remember, you know, Delhi came in that summer. He was one of those guys, and you know, they just he was a free agent at the right time, and he was getting paid a, a bunch more than some other point guards that were better than him, just because he was a free agent. That's not his fault. And so, Chris Middleton is a free agent at this time. There is a bunch of money out there. There are a bunch of teams with max space, and there's not enough players to fill them. And so, teams are eventually just going to say, you know what? We missed out on X. X guy and Y guy and Z guy, we're going to bring him in because you can't just find a 6, 8, 3, and D guy just lounging around. You can't just find those guys. So, you know, yes, like if the Bucks don't perform well, if Middleton doesn't play well on that contract, if the Bucks fall short of a title, like, you know, he's going to get some scorn. He's been getting scorn anyway. You know, he was on a pretty team-friendly deal already, mm-hmm. and when the Bucks didn't play well, you know, he was often a guy that the fans say, oh, this guy. You know, no he doubt. can't be the number two, or well, why is he? Why does he think he can get paid? You know, that's that's already been how it is, and so you know, I, I I get it. I think that's that's reasonably fair. I think, you know, that that's, that's going to happen, but I just don't know what the alternative is. Matt, I I put him right behind Aaron Rodgers as most polarizing players in in Milwaukee sports because you you look at a guy like you said when even the Bucks would play well at fourteen thirteen million dollars that's a rather team friendly contract for a guy that was at an All Star game. I want I want to shift to Brooke Lopez and I know you mentioned him in your first answer, Matt, but what do you feel is going to be the number that you're going to be able to get a Brooke Lopez back here at? I I heard reports Jordan Brenner of the Athletic had in a piece that he thought. A Nikola Miritich deal could be around twelve, thirteen million, and that makes me wonder where Brooks going to slot in. Yeah, I think Brooke it could be anywhere between twelve and fifteen a year. Um, you know, you wonder if maybe he's willing to take more years, so maybe take four years instead of three, uh, in order to have longer term stability, but take maybe slightly less per year because he likes the fit, he likes the situation, uh, he feels appreciated, and he just wants to have that that fourth year. Um, you know, some of those players just want to have the, the longer contract. And so, um, you know, I, I would think he'd be somewhere in there. And, and based off of what John Horst has said publicly, uh, you know, he met with the media yesterday, you know, he, he made it seem pretty clear that, you know, they're going to find a way to get Brooklyn Lopez back. Uh, he, he is a priority for them. Um, and that, you know, they're going to figure out what that number needs to be and, and figure out, okay, how are we going to get to that number? Because he has been a hugely important part of what they did last year, and they believe he can continue to play that role going forward. I got I got something for you. So do you think, as Billy is here tonight at Q Club of Wisconsin, along with Ryan Horvath, and they're doing the draft show tonight, and there's no Bucks pick, and they're going through all the teams, that at some point the Bucks might pop up on TV and trade themselves into the second round to make a pick for a end-of-the-bench player, or do you think uh, they're going to be at home with some popcorn watching the draft themselves? You know, I, I, I've been having this debate myself because um, I could see them. You know, you can buy a second round pick. Yep. Um, you know, the the Hawks just sold one. It was or uh, the, I can't they bought or sold, but they worked it out. It was like one point eight million. You know, the mm-hmm. most you can spend is three. Um, this is different money than the salary cap, um, but at the same time, like you know, this is money that the team, the franchise, the owners are spending. And so the question is, you know, if they're potentially going to go into the luxury tax. Do they want to spend extra money on top of that on somebody who is going to be a minimum contract second-round pick? 
Um, you know, and I could hear both sides. Like, yes, you do want to bring somebody in because that that person is cheaper than anybody else you can bring in, unless you bring in an undrafted free agent. But you would assume that this player would be better. Not not always true, but mm-hmm. you would you would believe that. Um, you know, but at the same time, it's like, well, why don't we just wait, save our cap space, not have it committed to anything, and then maybe we'll we'll scour the undrafted free agents, maybe try and find a a Fred Van Vliet kind of guy and get him on a minimum contract and go from there. So I can see both sides of it. Um, I'll be watching for that, and I, I think there, there is a chance for it. There's, it's not like they're just going to twiddle their thumbs and just let the whole second round go. Uh, I think there, there will be discussions about that. But you Why know, not? Actually pull the yeah, why not I mean, get back in? Ditka sold his whole draft to the Saints, sold his whole draft from the Saints to get Ricky Williams, and the next day I was out smoking a cigar and on the golf course or whatever while the rest of the draft was playing out. What's the problem? <laughs> I don't. I, I really don't get it. I mean, they could all come down here to Q Club of Wisconsin, hang they out should. with Billy and Ryan, no doubt. have some shots, and watch what happens in the NBA. There's no need for them to be there. Oh, we would be ripping them. Yeah, I think you keep an eye out. See if anybody's trying to get off a pick. There's a bunch of teams that have too many second-round picks that are going to be trying to move them. They may not be trying to get you know, top dollar necessarily. I think Philly has like four picks. Sacramento yeah. has three. One of them is the Bucks pick. Um, so, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of teams out there that have picks that may not have, you know, ways to use them. So maybe you can jump in there uh, and find somebody who's valuable to you that maybe you can put on a two-way contract or be able to stash somewhere out in Europe and not have to worry about them on your salary cap. And you can kind of just go from there. So there could be value in, in getting back in. It just depends on what the cost is and whether they, they feel like they can find the right guy. Well, yeah. Matt, if you get if you get some information that they're just going to sit on their hands too, why don't you come out to the Q Club in Wisconsin yeah. and, we'll, and we'll do that. We'll, we'll have some food, rip some shots, and, and lay one on. It'll be a good time. That all sounds fantastic. I'd <laughs> love to take you up on that. If I get that information, I'll just follow whatever story I got. I'll head right over. Perfect. Beautiful. Matt underscore Velasquez on Twitter. He f- writes for the Journal Sentinel, follows your Milwaukee Bucks all year long. Matt, really appreciate it, man, and we'll be following along tonight. All right. Thanks for having me, guys. That's Matt Velasquez joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline. Looking to buy, build, renovate, or refinance in 2019? Look no further. Call Great Midwest Bank today. Great Midwest Bank providing simply local common sense lending to your community since 1935. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.